Praise God. Thank you, Liz. So we're uh, really starting a new series, um, and it's a, a, it's about discipleship. I haven't thought of a name of it, but it's about discipleship. And uh, we're going to uh, look at length about some of the issues about making disciples. And it's one of those sermon series that people... Oh, good. Thank you. We'll get this whole... One, two, one, two. Well, we're back on. Good. We'll get the whole sound thing worked out. So normally when you say we're, we're doing a series on discipleship, people normally jump up and get so excited and run around and woo, you know, run everywhere. I remember when we started at uh, Bible College, Linda sat next to a 93-year-old lady and uh, we'd heard about people running, but she got f- so excited in the first, uh, first uh, service we had, she, she jumped up and she started running. She ran across the stage. It took the whole service, but she ran across the stage and, and ran back. So we're doing it, uh, and this, this uh, and we're shaping, really, we're shaping where we're going to go as a church, so I'm spending time doing these and preparing studies. But uh, today it's called From Being a Believer to Being a Disciple. And Joshua 1, which uh, Liz just so eloquently read in her beautiful Canadian accent, tells the story of Joshua who had been brought out of Egypt which represents, we know, most of us will know, represents actually uh, salvation, being brought out of sin. And yet God had not finished with him. He had growth to go, growth to happen before he could enter in the promised land. And God starts to lay out what it meant for him to become a disciple all right he had grown up in slavery under Egypt and God laid out he said to, to, to Joshua if you want to fulfill your destiny you need to do these things if you want to do what I have in plan for you you need to do these things so that reading tells us this it tells us being delivered out of sin does not get you into your destiny It's stage one. Being saved, as in being born again, does not bring victory into your life. It brings eternity. It brings eternal life. But there were some things that Joshua had to do to cooperate with God that would see Joshua get into the promised land. Now, the promised land is the fulfillment of what God has for us in this life. It doesn't mean it's bread and roses. It's not heaven, you know. Uh, It's actually fulfilling the destiny that God has for us. And then they went through the rivers of Jordan, which is really the rivers of baptism, the Holy Spirit it stands for. And, And but they were then equipped to face the trials that, God, that, that they had to face to overcome and have victory in this life. And so God said to Joshua, you've got to grow. You've got to grow. You've got to get God's word. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to start acting on it if you're going to walk into it. So being saved is, gets you free from sin, but it doesn't get you into victory in your life. And who knows, don't put your hand up, but who knows the amount of Christians that that, that you see they're saved, they believe it, but they are not walking in victory because they are not being disciples, all right? So if you believe, God can do things for you, all right? 
But if you follow him, he can make something of you. The children of Israel believed God enough to get out of Egypt. But the ones that followed him, he made something big out of their life. And God wants something big out of your life. He wants something big out of our church. He wants to shake us up. And that is what discipleship is about. We can be content with just being saved. And we're going to talk more in future weeks about what it costs, but what the rewards are. You can be sure whenever we lay down something for God, we win in that transaction. God does not ask us to do anything or lay down anything or give up anything that he doesn't give us a much greater reward that we don't go to a different stage, a different level, get an abundant reward. It's a little bit like you see these dogs with these dried out. Have you ever taken, tried to take a dried up bone off a bull terrier or a bull? Have you ever? I would not recommend it. I haven't done it. I think I learned earlier with smaller yappy dogs. If they've got a dried up bone, there's no way you're going to get it out of them except put a bit of steak in front of them. Then they give it up. God doesn't ask us to, he's asking us to give up the puny, pathetic, death-giving things and swap it for a life of discipleship, which brings life, all right? And so we need to remember that. I want you just to think of, if you can call up, uh, call up Romans 10, 8, verse 9. I'm going to, we're not going to, I've got enough to go for an hour and a half. Do you, I know somebody, please, please go for an hour and a half here. I want to touch on this. I want, you to, I want to get away from today understanding that a believer is not a disciple. Getting saved is half of being a Christian or the first step of being a Christian. The majority, look at the parable of the sower, the majority of Christians never, probably uh, three quarters more really, never reach the fulfillment in this life uh, for what God has for them. And that will echo through eternity. There are rewards for being a disciple. We'll talk more about that. But this, we're very familiar with this. Um, Romans 8, uh, this is that great salvation verse. It says, what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and your heart. That is the word of faith that we are preaching. Next word. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Have we got the next verse? I know I didn't ask for it. For with the heart... That's right. With the heart we believe, resulting in what? Salvation. With the mouth we confess, no, with the heart we believe, resulting in righteousness. <laughs> and what's more awkward is I trusted you. <laughs> I trusted you. And with, with the mouth we confess, resulting in salvation. We'll just go back to the previous verse. I want you to look at this, how being saved is half of your destiny. It'll scrape you into heaven. But it's not, you won't go in with any rewards. You won't have the life of joy of fulfillment God's planned for you here. You get that through obedience to his word, through discipleship. Look at here. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus, well, they've, they've swapped it around here. But if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you believe that God died for your sins and raised Jesus from the dead, put your hand up. Then you have, the Bible says, righteousness. You are made right with God. But... We've made it often too, too, too easy for Christians and, and we do that by dumbing down this next sentence. Dumbing it down. If you confess him as Lord. Well, what does that mean? 
If you confess him as Lord, you shall be saved. Well, they, they knew what it meant because to confess Jesus as Lord was to say that Caesar is not Lord. And in our day and age, that's to say that all the things that the world says is important, the, world, the way they try to frame it politically and social, they are not Lord. We are a counterculture to this world. We believe different things. We believe Jesus is Lord. Right? He is, so when we make Jesus Lord of our life, now to confess it, that wasn't, we make it some trite thing, say a prayer, okay, you're saved. Well, you might be righteous, but you're not necessarily saved from what the devil wants to hit you with or the way the world's living because you get saved from that by making him Lord of your life and confessing him as Lord. And you might think that's a heresy, but I'm going to show you from a few more scriptures. You think you say to me, you better show me. I know you better show me, Pastor Grant. Yeah, that's right. Because being made righteous is half of salvation. Making him Lord of your life God can shape you then. God can do something with your life. God can fulfill the destiny he has for you. God can make you, go, take you places. You know, I think they need a Dr. Zeus poem about this. <laughs> make him Lord. He'll take to places you never, no one ever saw or heard, no one ever thought could ever happen. It's the very thing God has prepared for those who love him. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, some of us are older than, than others. Our life doesn't end when we die. This is the beginning of it. We will go into eternity and we will be where we are in the new heavens and the new earth will be based on what we've done in this life. And all the crazy, sinful, selfish things, they're all going to be burned out. So you're going to have to uh, change anyway. <laughs> we might as well accept him as Lord now. So it meant, we say, it meant Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Caesar doesn't determine who I worship, who I, what days I worship on, how I live my life. Jesus determines it. And when we surrender, so, so being saved, that means I'm taking this in the sense that once you are born again, you are saved from the consequences of your sin for eternity. But you don't necessarily live in that. Remember, we're reading Galatians the last couple of weeks. You do these things, you will not partake of the kingdom of heaven if you walk in the flesh. That doesn't mean you lose your salvation. That means you don't enjoy the life God has, the power God has for you here. All right? So, we are saved from what the world has brought to us to destroy us, to bring it down, to kill, still, and destroy us as we make him Lord of our life. All right? So remember this, if you believe God can do things for you, if you follow him, he can make something of you. And I've found over the years, even that first part of it, as Christians mature, they tend to, God, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of grace everywhere, praise God, thank you for grace my whole life. But as we're babies, who knows when, you, when you're a baby, you, you tolerate some things, all right, but you expect them to grow up. And there's a lot of things that happen in people's lives where, where God's not yet expecting them to grow up because they're just babies. And you often see that. You often see, you know, like miracles and healings happen when they're young. And then when they get old, it's like, you know, they can't believe God for a headache. We can't believe God, you know, because we're expected to grow up. 
It, the easiest thing in the world, well, it's not the easiest thing in the world, but it's a lot easier to get someone healed who's never heard about healing. Never heard about them. You sit down, you show them the scriptures. They go, if they believe the Bible, they go, yeah, that's right. And we've, we've seen that. It's right. Then, then those of us that have been around, around a long time. All right? So, uh, so we are called, our mission, our purpose here at Redeemer Coast, and your purpose is to make disciples. You know, uh, Matthew 28, Jesus said, go into the world and get everyone saved. <laughs> he didn't. He said, go into the world and make disciples. It wasn't the first half of it. It's tell them what Jesus has done for them, but it's also tell them that if they want life in the fullness, they have to make Jesus as Lord. They have to yield. We've got to surrender the habits, the desires, which are not godly. All right? Now, I knew I'd have people running around this, getting up and running. Oh, glory! You've got to surrender those things. They're destructive. And, and, and take up the things that bring life. And making Jesus its Lord will bring life. It will bring salvation, according to Romans 8, 9 to 10. So Matthew 28 says, says, we go into the world and make disciples. And preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ is the first step of that. But we are to take people and we are to teach them how to walk in faith and how to live as Jesus' Lord. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it. How many people are you discipling now? Now. Today. This week. Because that is our great commission. So being, um, being saved is the first half of being a Christian. It, the, the word Christian was used in, uh, first in Acts chapter 11 when Paul was preaching in Antioch. And it says there were many who were coming to him and listening to him day, daily as he taught. And that's when the disciples were first called Christians. So if you're not a disciple in the Bible, you don't really have the um, honor of calling yourself a Christian. The Christians were the disciples who followed, who went around, sat under the, the teachings of Paul daily and changed. Being saved, guys, is half of it. Being a disciple will take your places. Being saved will get you into heaven. Being a disciple will bring heaven down here. You can write that down. You can preach on that one day. <laughs> All right. So I... Uh, uh, turn with me to John, John chapter 8, verse 31. I'm going to show you from the scripture because I know you expected me to from what you said a few minutes ago that a, a, a believer is not necessarily a disciple. Now, the terms were mixed up. They, they did cross over. But uh, very often, believers were separated from what they were called disciples. So in this passage, Jesus is preaching to the Jews. Uh, in, I think he was in the synagogue or in the temple. I can't remember. And you, we need to understand this passage. You might remember it because it, it's when the Jews said back to him, well, we we're of Abraham. How can you say we're not part of the kingdom? All sort of stuff. But it says, it says, Jesus turned to the disciples 
Believing that Jesus rose from the dead for your sins, that makes you a believer, that'll make you righteous, but it doesn't bring the kingdom of God down into your life. It gives you eternity, right? If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of me. You're not pretend disciples if you continue in my word. And then he says to them, and we love this verse, he says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Who does the truth set free? Disciples. Now, it's written outside all these courts in the States, and you know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's probably a better translation. It's the disciples that are made free, not the believers. This is the flip side of the coin where we activate God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives by becoming a disciple. Now, disciple has a couple of different meanings, and there's a few words associated with it. Now, in our sort of cultural experience, you know, you've got, uh, anyone remember Star, Star Wars? Right? And uh, there was, was it Padawans, the little, now I, I called Chloe my Padwana. <laughs> it's because I said it wrong, and she laughed at me, so now I... A little Padwana, all right? And uh, so they followed around. Was it the Seths they swallowed around? Or Sorry? Spoken like a true Kiwi. It's probably Seth. But <laughs> Just sit on your chair. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, oh, you remember, remember, uh, remember Kung Fu? Kung, Kung Fu, you know? You know, and, and, it, and it was... And uh, the, um, the teacher had a rock on his palm. And then, uh, who was his name? The, who was the Kung Fu? Had, had to try and grab it off and he just didn't know it was there. And, and he was a disciple of him, you know. But in, in, in uh, these times, first century, there was really three words. One was to, be a, uh, to learn from a teacher. So it was concerned with your faith, all right? Your faith, what you believe, becomes what the teacher taught. So they had all these uh, scribes going around and they were asking them questions like, you know, what does it mean to work on a Sunday? And some said, well, you can walk 100 meters, but don't walk 110 meters and all those sorts of things. And then Jesus came along and they said, this teacher is different because he teaches with power and people are getting healed and people are getting set free. And so the first thing was is to follow what that person believes. All right. But then, then Jesus said, follow me. He said, to, he, said to, uh, he said to Peter, follow me. And the word follow is often, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And the two words are one. The first word when Jesus said to Mark, it's the, the entomology of it. Was that insects, entomology? I don't know. <laughs> the, 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 the history of that word, it's made up of two words, 
Alpha, as in Jesus is the Alpha and Omega, and Road. Right? So when he said, follow me, he says, go where I go. I'm going to go first. You follow in my footsteps. And so when he said to, my, when he said to Peter, follow me, Peter put down his, te- his, his nets and he followed him. So when Jesus went over there, Peter went over there. So the second thing about being a disciple is where Jesus leads, we follow. Where he went, we follow. Where he went to the cross, we go to the cross. When he goes to the resurrection, he go, we go to the resurrection. Where he leads us, we follow. So we follow in his footsteps. And the third thing was to mimic. So when Peter, they always come around communion time, they think there's some crumbs. So when Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, it was mimic me as I mimic. And they get the word, uh, act like. I, I had a youth pastor uh, many years ago when I was a youth Not that long ago. Yeah. Well, I remember the 60s. They do say if you remember the 60s, you didn't actually live through them. <laughs> so anyway, and uh, I asked him, he, he had a master's degree in psychology and he was a, a counsellor. And I said to him, how is it that, you know, you seem to have it so together in your Christian walk? That's that weren't the words I used, but that's what a 15-year-old, you know, like. Um, he said to me, Grant, sometimes you just have to act. And that's the word mimic. And he said, it's not hypocrisy to go against the way you're feeling and act like you know who you are. He said, very often, I'm acting what I know God has made me to be. He said, and you'll find that you fill up that void or God fills up that void in fact I think it's in Romans it says we are being poured into the mold that God has for us so when we are disciples and our faiths formed by what Jesus or the scriptures say and we follow what he asks us to do and we mimic him we are formed and built up into his image we're going to finish with this because I did promise I would keep down. I turn to um, Luke, Luke chapter 4. And you can turn here. It's, uh, we're going to start in Luke chapter 4, but I'm going to show you how Peter went from being a believer to being a disciple. God is calling us from being believers to being disciples, from accepting that he laid down his life for us to laying down our life for him. So in, in uh, Luke chapter chapter 4, we see Jesus has been doing uh, many mighty miracles and you can turn there. We're going to finish with this scripture and then we're going to close in prayer. Luke chapter 4, verse 38. So he's driven out an unclean spirit, and I'll skip over some things and highlight a few things. After he left the synagogue, so he's teaching in the synagogue, he went into Simon's house. When when you know Simon, we changed his name to Peter. Who knows, God wants to change your name. I don't mean literally. 
like he may want to change it literally but he wants to change what you call yourself to what he calls you all right i call myself righteous i call myself healed i call myself powerful in him so he went to simon's house which tells me that simon was more than likely there watching these miracles simon we know became peter all right so he he went um sorry the page flipped after he left the synagogue he entered simon's house simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever they asked him about her so he stood over her jesus did and rebuked the fever she left it it left her she got up immediately and began to serve them the sun was setting and all those anyone who was sick with various diseases were brought to him so peter was in his house watching this demons were coming out of many and jesus would rebuke them he wouldn't allow to speak to to speak and it looks like jesus stayed there overnight in in simon peter's house so simon was well aware of who jesus was uh, he was following and listening to jesus simon was a believer Peter was a believer at this stage right he stayed at his house and the next day he went out early he went out and they followed him the crowds followed him chapter 5 the crowds were pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word as he was standing by the lake and you know the story Peter had got up early as well but Peter had gone fishing now how often is it as Christians that we get saved and then we just keep doing the same things. We keep our golf routine. We keep our hair appointments. We keep our, thing, you know, and maybe we bring around our little portable smoke machines and our little dolls that fall over so we can pretend to be spiritual sometimes. I've really had, well, I had one. You ever had one of those dolls? You press the button and they fall over. So occasionally when we're trying to be religious, we'll do all those religious things. But our life has essentially not changed and Peter's life didn't change. So although he believed and was made righteous, he was still not any closer to the, to the destiny God had for him on this earth. Who wants to know what God has for you on this earth? And you, you know, you've got to know Peter's life. You know, it was a growth thing because you, if you read about Peter, obviously, you know, he did all sorts of weird things. He, he was telling Jesus where Jesus was wrong in his doctrine. All right, at different stages. And then, then he rebuked Jesus for not doing certain things. You know, Peter was probably older and, and Jesus was this whippersnapper teacher that like he might know the Bible, but he hasn't got my life experience is what Peter was thinking. You know. And of course he denied. Peter was the one that said, I will never leave you. I will never deny you. And then he denied him three times over the next day. You know. And then Jesus restored him, told him he loves him. But it, Peter was still growing, you know. He was still reverting back to law and, and he ended up writing in the epistles of Peter. He said, you need to follow Paul's doctrines, Paul's teachings, those scriptures. They're hard to understand, but you need to follow them. He says that. So Jesus, Peter's there and he's worked hard and he's labored hard. hard and you've got to know this is a picture of our life if we're saved, but we're not disciples. We're looking for the things that, of this life that God has for us, but we're trying to do it in our strength. We're trying to do it our way, and we're not prepared to pay the cost. The cost is to lay down your life. Didn't Jesus say, if you hold on to your life, you'll lose it. If you lay down your life, you'll gain it. And Jesus turned to Peter, and he wanted to show Peter, Peter, you follow me, your life's going to be bigger 
more provided for, more exciting, more fulfilled than you could ever dream. And he wanted to show him that, that, that your own efforts and your own works cannot get you there. Getting saved will get you into heaven. Becoming a disciple will get heaven into you. And he said, Peter, throw. Now, you notice, he, we won't read it now, we're running out of time, but Peter's calling him master at this stage. He's actually, you know, calling him Lord, but he's not living it. He's calling him master. And Jesus said, throw the, he said, Peter said, we've worked all night, we haven't caught any fish. He says, throw it over, because they throw it over and they bring in a huge harvest of fish. And Jesus is saying to Peter, surrender to me and you'll get more than you could ever dream of. I'll power your life. Now, Peter was a believer. Jesus said, follow me. Be a disciple. I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter had been catching all these smelly little fish, you know. He said, I'll, 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 lift. I'll lift your vision. I'll, I'll lift what you have. I'll lift your view of who you are. I'll give you a light. You'll still get your fish. You need to go fishing. Just throw it in. We'll bring it in. We'll get all those. Jesus said, he said that. He said, no one gives up anything but to receive about a hundredfold back in eternity, in eternal life and a hundredfold back now. We're called to be disciples. We're called to lay down our lives for Christ. We're called to die to self. Do we believe? Are we disciples? You close in prayer for us. I'll pray. You close the service. Okay, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you've called us out of darkness into your eternal life. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus died for our sins. And we believe that and we're forgiven and we're made righteous. But Father, I ask that by your Holy Spirit, you challenge us this week, the areas of our life that we're to lay down for you to be disciples, that we can become disciples, that we can live the dream you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.